Welcome back to The Crow's Nest. I'm Theresa, and today we're going to be talking about libraries. In particular, we're going to be talking to Brandon Kidd, who is a youth services librarian at Idea Exchange, which is Cambridge, Ontario's interpretation of a public library. And we'll talk to Brandon about the kinds of services that Idea Exchange offers, general trends in libraries these days, and bibliotherapy, which is a service that Brandon is advocating for the development of in Canadian libraries. I've always really loved the library. As a kid, I was a vivacious reader. I literally would come home from school and read until dark. So I was at the library a lot, whether it was my school libraries or the public library. And I've always really loved the programming that libraries offer and the fact that they're always an open and welcoming space. As public spaces, it's really important for libraries to stay up to date, and I really enjoy watching them achieve that. I spent one summer working as a camp counselor, and we took our camp to the library every week, and it was really interesting seeing the library offer services for children to learn things like coding and movie making and CGI techniques as kids. Like, I think it's awesome. I think it's great that, that we can go to the library and, and use a 3D printer. Um, and in the other direction, a lot of libraries are hubs for historical and archival uh, archival processes. Archival storage, I guess. Each library is different. Basically, what this little tangent is about is how multifaceted and incredibly resourceful libraries can be. And we're going to get into that more with Brandon, who, who works at an actual library. So I am excited to share his perspective with you. And so we'll get into that. As a note, this interview was recorded in June, so a little out of date. But no worries, because everything we talk about is still relevant. And in the accompanying post, I will be linking all of the updated events that Idea Exchange will be holding. So with that being said, let's get into my talk with Brandon. So you are librarian? Yes, a youth services librarian at Idea Exchange. And what drew you to librarian sciences? Well, I was a teacher and I taught up north and overseas on contracts and whatnot. And I couldn't find a teaching job when I came back here to Ontario, but I found a job in a library and I fell in love with it. And after several years, I decided to go back to school yet again, <laughs> and to become librarian. So, yeah, I, it, it was everything that I loved about teaching and nothing that I didn't like about it. So it was great for me. And so you work at Idea Exchange, which is the Cambridge Library. Public Library plus, plus, plus. Yeah. How is Idea Exchange different from a regular library? What kind of services do you offer that, that a library wouldn't? Well, thinking about how to answer that question, and it's hard because so many libraries are different from your regular library now. <laughs> I feel like the picture that people have in their minds of, you know, your traditional libraries where you go to borrow books. So many libraries have been so much more than that for, for a while now. Well, Idea Exchange, we also administer the city's public art galleries and design and maker spaces. And we do a lot of programming for all ages, um, not just children. Youth services tends to draw the, the most crowd. We take sort of a broad view of connecting people to knowledge and culture, and that's much more than just books. 
It absolutely is. Have you found that combining all of the public art galleries and uh, maker spaces into one system, has there been like a noticeable benefit to that? Do people use it more often when it's all combined like the way it is? Well, I wasn't around for the combining. I've only been with Idea Exchange for uh, going on four years now. But I do know that, yes, we find a lot of benefits in cross-promoting services. I mean, it, it really helps connect people when there's so much greater spectrum of things we can offer them. And we've really focused on promoting youth services for that reason. For the very simple reason, the kids can't bring themselves to the library. <laughs> so the parents come and the siblings come. And while they're there, they discover, oh, there's a board game cafe. Oh, there's a makerspace. Oh, there's this, there's that. So yeah, it's been extremely beneficial. And more and more libraries are branching out and taking that sort of expansive view of what it means to connect people to knowledge and culture. That is so cool. I mean, I personally am a huge fan of libraries. And so the fact that so many are branching out and taking up these new forms of programming to help the community and it's working, like that's so, so exciting. Yeah, we're slowly finding ways to do things virtually now. Mm -hmm. That's not been easy. We, uh, we fully realize that we're probably not going to have crowds of two or three hundred people at a kids program for a while, which is disappointing. Have you guys set up any virtual programming that we can talk about? Yes, we've set up lots. In May, I did a program called Meditate with Snoopy. Uh, Snoopy, <laughs> Snoopy is my cat. <laughs> and so this was my first idea for a program that I could do from home. So it's an introduction to meditation for kids. We met every Saturday morning in May, and Snoopy was the mascot for the program. Most Saturdays, he would sit in the sunny spot beside me and meditate with us. So that's one of the programs that I did last month, and the other children's programmers did their best to put our regular children's programs online, like Baby Time and Tots Time, and our one librarian did a grade school program of games over Zoom. It was really well attended. I co-hosted that one and did Steam Storytime virtually online, <laughs> and I actually just did my first one this month. Math Quest. So it's a grade school math program where we play math games together over Zoom. Oh, cool. All the details are on our website, ideaexchange.org. If you don't mind me saying, you have a very good voice for meditation. Oh, well, I'm slowly learning how to put the recordings of the meditations from last <laughs> month up online. So if you look up Meditate with Snoopy online, you can get the recordings. I mean, they're intended for children, but adults did the, did the program with their kids as well. Awesome. Talk about bibliotherapy because I'm super interested about this. So what is bibliotherapy? Well, it can be any number of things. I presented on a conference in January with a panel of people from all around the province who were interested in, in promoting this service. And we fully acknowledge that bibliotherapy is a terrible name. <laughs> um, <laughs> For, like, if I was to run a bibliotherapy program at ID Exchange, I would call it guided reading, like a guided reading program. And that can be anything from sitting down with a librarian to come up with a list of books that you go through towards some goal. 
on your own, whether that goal is reducing anxiety, reducing your dependence on addiction, or from the youth services perspective, you know, helping your child overcome bullying or anger or depression, or helping them to understand something like divorce or something like that. And with kids, obviously, the adult would be in this session with them. But yeah, I, I would look forward to, to building something like that when things get back to quote unquote normal. <laughs> or bibliotherapy can be where you sit down with a librarian and you go through the books together, where the librarian sort of helps you to get the most out of your reading. Most people know how to read, but it's a rarer skill to know how to read for certain things, at least not until you see it modeled. So a librarian could help you read through the works of a particular author to get the most out of them if you wanted to be a creative writer on your own or to learn more about the genre of mystery writing or something like that. Or bibliotherapy could be a group setting where a librarian or sometimes a librarian and another service provider lead a group of people who are interested in exploring a similar topic with the help of literature. It's basically a librarian that helps guide you through a text or through learning. And it doesn't always have to be a text. I mean, you may want to study film. There's mm -hmm. plenty of ways to do that as well. It can look like a lot of different things. Okay. I think I came into this with the assumption that it would be sort of like strictly a mental health service, but from your description, it almost seems it's more like a guidance, active listening and learning kind of thing, just to help, you know, get all of the information and be able to process it. Can be. It can be either. It's definitely a wellness tool, and that could be anything from, you know, going through some resources to help you manage stress at work, to something as serious as, you know, going through resources to help you overcome a substance addiction. It's a very underdeveloped discipline. Coming back, it's been around for about 100 years and it's never really taken off. It's taken off more in England. There are actually recognized bibliotherapy programs as part of the National Health Service. So it's gaining a lot of recognition internationally. And there's a small group of us who are committed to developing it here in, in Canada, specifically in Ontario. Is there a reason that you know of that it isn't kicking off as much here as it has overseas? I don't know if I could put my finger on it. Money's probably part of it. I mean, it would take a certain amount of will on the part of CEO to say, okay, I'm going to devote X professional hours to developing this program because you'd have obviously have to take the librarian away from doing other things. So mm -hmm. I don't know. It's probably a combination of a lot of things. Yeah, interest in the topic has grown a lot in recent years. So we'll see. We'd like to see it take off. Yeah, absolutely. I think libraries are sort of known for being, I think they call it like the last democratic space where you can, you know, go in and access services without the expectation of paying money and, or like, you know, buy something to be able to sit here for a couple hours. You guide it. It's, it's yeah. all choices that you want to make and what you want to learn. Um, yeah, that's very much encouraged. Yeah, I mean, the library is the perfect space for a program like that, outside of the fact that you have so many resources there. It's not a commercial environment at all. Yeah. So you're working with the Tool Library right now, the Guelph Tool Library, isn't that right? 
I am. Yeah. So I am the um, the summer student right now. I love libraries. I had hoped to be a librarian. So working at, I guess, like a alternative library is a dream for me. Most of the youth services programmers aren't librarians. They have backgrounds in early childhood education, in one case, recreation and things like that. That's speak for any other library. I didn't know that. I would say like a lot of people my age in particular, being like a young 20-ish person, most people my age don't use libraries and they don't see the purpose of them now that, you know, like there's ebooks and Amazon and all of this. And I don't know, I just want to put the message out there how great libraries are. I remember reading an article not that long ago that said libraries' two biggest demographics were senior citizens and millennials. Really? Yeah. (laughs) We get a lot of young parents and young people at the library. Yeah, I don't know if I'd make that assumption. (laughs) Well, I'm happy to be wrong then. So then what issues are facing libraries right now? Well, right now, like mid-coronavirus... Uh, I mean, Ontario public libraries obviously depend on property taxes, city municipal revenue for a lot of their their operating funds. Well, like everybody else, there are going to be financial concerns going forward. I personally find that uh, the model for purchasing e-books and uh, electronic material, I think, has to change. It's becoming unworkable for, for public libraries. And as stuff like that becomes more prevalent over print material and optical discs, that'll only get worse. So it's a little difficult to provide all the material that we want to under the current purchasing models and things like that. So that will have to change in, in recent years. What about the purchasing model is causing issues? Well, it's too expensive, I guess. It's well, that's a, yeah, that's a big issue. <laughs> yeah. It's a really different model from how libraries have operated for, for 200 years. I mean, we would buy a, a copy of some a title, and we would own the copy of the title, and it would be ours to do with what we wanted. Well, now with e-material, you, you don't purchase a copy most of the time. You, you lease a copy for a certain amount of time or a certain number of checkouts, and it's often a lot more expensive than it would be to purchase a print copy. Or, or comparable print copies of, of the same title. So that's something that has to change, I think. Mm-hmm. Is there like another, I guess, model, purchasing model that the libraries would be hoping to move to? Or is it just this one really isn't working? Well, I think we'd have to work with the publishing industry to develop one. And this has never really happened before where ebooks or physical items are sort of by and large replaced by by digital ones. So yeah, that's a big question. I don't know how it would work out, but uh, it'll have to, you know, it would involve maybe revisiting copyright law and things like that. Yeah, that's a big question. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. I didn't expect you to have all the big answers on how to make libraries a a perfect service. That would be really (laughs) cool if you had them. Yeah, yeah, uh, that would be a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. You probably deserve a pretty big raise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, check out our website. All, this, all of the virtual programs and stuff like that uh, is on there, including all of mine, idexchange.org. Perfect. I'll link it everything. Um, there's like a blog post that goes up with the, the podcast, so I'll link everything in the blog for you.
right. Okay, awesome. Thanks so much, Brandon. It was super nice talking to you. And yeah, you too. Take care. Um, I think libraries can be really underappreciated and undervalued. And I really think that they're bouncing back. I've, I've seen a lot of libraries go through um, some serious renovations. Um, I think that's really exciting. I think after talking with Brandon and, and listening to his experiences as a librarian, I find it really heartening to hear that there are folks who are working in library services who are really passionate about the services that they give, which hopefully everyone is passionate about their careers. But um, listening to Brandon talk about bibliotherapy, for example, I think bibliotherapy sounds really awesome as like an open-ended service designed to provide info and, and skills to decipher the info on topics that are really specific to the user. And so for, for folks like Brandon to be looking for these new services to administer in their libraries, to keep libraries as relevant and impactful spaces is really awesome. And bibliotherapy in particular, I find knowledge to be super empowering. So bibliotherapy sounds sounds incredible, especially in regards to youth services. Um, I think Brandon mentioned one of its biggest demographics as our millennials and and young parents and young adults. And I think that's really awesome um, because I don't think that libraries get the appreciation that they deserve. And that's a shame because 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 almost all of the, the I don't almost all of the library services that I've seen are, are free or close to free and how can you turn up your nose at free resources and, and free movies books and classes and workshops and seminars some of them cost money I the tool library has run paid workshops at the library so so certainly not all of the services are free but a large majority of them are and the more people who use them the the more services that they can offer so if you haven't already check out your local library see what virtual programming they are offering during the pandemic see if they are open on the day of this episode the guelph public library will be reopening um for regular summer hours so now that things are opening back up, at least here in Guelph, obviously practice safe social distancing and pandemic etiquette. But if you're able to, check out your local library because I am sure that they are busting their butts to make sure that their community has their needs met. Okay, see you next week.